0: You are listening to The Itch, and this is Rock Matters. I'm Aaron. My name is Dan. And I'm KC. We've got another special episode for you this week. They're all special. They all have special places in our hearts.
1: Well, that's special because we're in them, too, and we're special.
0: (laughs) In a multitude of ways. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But this is another holiday episode. We had one already, and now this will be holiday episode numero dos.
1: Yeah, we talked about Mother's Day and actually tied that into an album by the name of Mother. And we're going to do something about this along the same lines today. Uh, we're going to talk about Father's Day and tie that into an album called Father of All. And the the greatest part about our new medium is that we can actually say the entire album name because it is called Father of All Motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was going to get that one in there. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> I I've been wanting to say the album name since it came out, and I have not been able to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it came out at the beginning of the year. Dan's been holding this back for six months now. That's right. So we're happy to be part of this moment where he could release that pent up frustration.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but first, I did want to talk a little bit more about Father's Day. It, being a father, it means a lot more nowadays. Your kids are celebrating it for you, and it's, it's unreal because I just remember like growing up and trying to do something for somebody else all the time on on that particular day anyway. And just now like seeing the, you know, the, the cute stuff, like the kids making me a card or or whatever, it it just, it's so surreal feeling. No, you guys can't experience that yet, but on the flip side of that, I know that, um, you know, like I said, you know, we spent several years, many father's day trying to honor our fathers. father's day means a lot to me now that I'm a father having two children of my own. It's a special day. You know, these these kids are are making my making me feel special every day, but uh they they go out of their way and make cards and and stuff like you just wouldn't expect uh, little kids to do. My my sons are 2 and 4. Um and so it it's it's awesome that you know, after so many years of of loving and putting that effort towards my my stepdad Um, it's, it's now being retaliated by my own kids and I get to get to have that feeling of my own and (laughs) it's just, it's a special feeling. I I can't describe it. There's no, there's no words for it. One of the things that I I will always appreciate about my stepfather is that he's always supported our radio show. He's always uh, been there and provided music. He always has suggestions. He listens all the time. He's been one of our biggest fans since the creation of it. And uh, I know that I'm not the only one.
2: Yeah. Uh, When we started our radio show 16 years ago. Got to get that in there. (laughs) (laughs) Every episode. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But my dad, uh, he passed away from Lou Gehrig's disease in 2006. And we started our show in 2004. So he was able to listen to our show every week for uh, a couple years there. And he uh, enjoyed it very much. So that was always a a cool thing so whenever we had our father's day show my dad was in a band and i got to play his song over the radio and so i always took pride in that and i know he got a kick out of it and then when he passed away we did a tribute show and uh my family all enjoyed that very much so it was very uh healing and tribute worthy i'm always thankful for that
0: yeah i'll go on record as as saying that uh in all of the, the 16 years, as we say, that we've done this, that that goes down as one of my favorite memories was the tribute show slash having that band in the studio. And actually, we spoke last week a little bit about using the platform that you have. And we're so excited to have the platform of being able to have a radio show, even if it was, you know, it was just college students at that time. But to be able to bring a little bit of your own life into it And to be able to honor people and do special things like that for yourself and for your own family through that. And so we're definitely grateful to KCLC for letting that happen. And and it was just definitely a top-level experience in the history of The Itch.
2: Yeah, and what you're referring to with the the band, my uncle and his friends played some of my dad's music that they wrote together. So that was a, a good thing for my uncle as well.
1: So that's been one of the greatest things about having a radio show for 16 years is that we've been able to use it as an avenue to pay tribute to those um, who've affected our lives, who's been positive influences on all of us, uh, like you said earlier, Aaron. And when I when we first did the show, my uncle Dean, who my son's named after, he was a huge influence on my life. He was pretty much my my father for the first nine years of my life before my stepfather became a huge part of my life. And so when I first got the show, it was it was so incredible to be able to hear, to have him listen to me. You know, I, my stepdad's always a huge part of my life. But like for when my uncle Dean was able to listen, that was I, I can't like describe that feeling. Just it's probably what you were describing, Casey, with with having your, you know, being able to play your dad's band, you know, just being able to hear my uncle hear me on the radio. It was just surreal to me. It was it was such an incredible feeling. Uh, and then he also passed away. And so it, the radio show has really helped us heal from a lot of these experiences and people that we've lost as well through through playing music and expressing our, our feelings through music.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's been a very um, constant element. And, and yeah, I think tool of, of grief sometimes even. We all, all three of us have very different father and father figure stories and backgrounds. And the two of you both that includes loss, but I mean yeah i've definitely you've seen both of you guys been able to take what we have with this and use that as a means to, like we said, both pay tribute and and also to process and sort of move forward after experiencing major losses
2: yeah well, and i I know that my my dad had a big influence on me because he listened to you know KC ninety five St Louis and and uh, he took me to my first concert which was seeing uh, the Who. So uh, my dad's had a huge influence on me music wise and you know listening to him play music uh, in his own band over the years. It's it's always been a huge part of my life. So that's what's cool about doing a radio show and this podcast. It's a way of uh, just continuing on. Up. Yeah, and just to give a
1: little bit of background on myself, my biological father was not in the picture. My mom pretty much raised me by herself. Um, like I said, my Uncle Dean, who actually was my biological father's twin, was a big part of my life until I was about nine years old. And that's when my mom and my stepdad got together and, and since then my, my stepdad has been a huge influence, just like you said. Casey you know a lot of my influences obviously were from my mom she listened to Casey like you said and, and was into the bands but any, my mom was one of those people that anytime you'd ask her like oh who is this what song is this she's like I don't know it's just on the, on the radio <laughs> and so I, I felt that once uh, Lewis and, and I'll refer to him as my dad going forward in this episode I, that's kind of when I wanted to give background because I don't you know I don't want to confuse people uh, but, but my dad Lewis uh, when, when those kind of questions came up he actually knew his music and so when I was asking he would be able to tell me oh that's Van Halen that's you know that's Led Zeppelin or, you don't know who Led Zeppelin is and and so he <laughs> was the one who really really gave me a lot of rock education and and, and kind of helped me understand uh rock music and not only that but he also helped feed my love for rock music in the sense that when I was young I was like 10 11 12 that was when people were very leery about music with parental advisory it was you know it was kind of taboo to give kids yeah um, and And he didn't, you know, because he actually knew the music, he wasn't afraid to get me Metallica's Load album. He wasn't afraid to get me Nine Inch Nails, The Fragile, which were like some of the first rock albums that I had. And then actually my Uncle Dean, too, when I was nine, got me my first rock album, Collective Soul's self-titled album. So my my Aunt Lisa was married to my Uncle Dean. They both got it for me. But um, those albums, I can honestly say, were such huge influences on my life and and. Uh, my musical taste and my musical preference. And and that's why, because he was able to be there and, and offer a lot of uh, knowledge and, and background and, and, you know, just seeing his love for that music really gave me that love as well.
0: Yeah. So my dad, I don't know that he had a huge influence on my earlier musical taste. I think it may be interesting that my more current taste may be more influenced it by him than it was growing up. So I've actually got a giant stack of his old vinyl albums next to me. And he's got a lot of more like singer songwriter styles from the the 60s and 70s. He's got Simon and Garfunkel and Jim Croce, um, James Taylor and artists like that. And then he has a few rock artists among the collection. He's got he's got bread. He's got uh, Chicago was one of his favorites. But even those, I didn't know that much about growing up. To be honest, whenever I was a kid, I remember him mostly listening to, to slightly touch back to what we were on last week, to what's called contemporary Christian music. So I grew up with Amy Grant and Sandy Patty and people that have nothing to do you know, with Metallica or with The Who, Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. So it's kind of interesting that I don't think that 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 taste played a giant role in, in my taste growing up, but where it seems to have come a little bit full circle right now, where it's like Simon and Garfunkel for example, is one of my favorite artists. But then to come back to to what Dan was saying that I thought was kind of fun, you mentioned the parental advisory sticker and that kind of thing. And then to tie that into our flavor here, my dad definitely didn't introduce me to Green Day, but Green Day was one of the first bands I ever remember listening to their album and hearing that kind of talk on. <laughs> so like the, the track F.O.D., for example, at the end of Dookie, and The Offspring would be another one. The first time my best friend in late elementary school played uh, Bad Habit for me, my mind was blown. And so... <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> I was like, that is literally the most road rage I've ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> and yet that's how I feel every time I get in the car now. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's still... It's, just, it's interesting the way that our, that our parents have um, different influences on us. And uh, just how that all plays out.
1: I have a funny story, actually, that relates to my dad and Green Day as well. Uh, Way back in the day. I don't know if you guys remember those BMG music
0: clubs. Oh, those were my favorite. Yeah. We never got any albums from them, but I loved looking through each one and selecting the ones I would get hypothetically. Well, I signed up before I had a job. I think
1: I was 15 or something like this, Um, because you like the way it was, if I remember correctly, and I'm probably a little bit off base, but because uh, it's probably 20, 20 something years ago. But the way that it worked, I think, is if I got like 11 CDs all for the price of like a penny, and then all I had to pay was shipping and handling. And then after you got the 11 CDs, the 12 CD you had to buy at full price, but full price was like mall CD prices. I don't know if you yeah. remember, but it's yeah, like, like 20 bucks. 24, 22. <laughs> yeah. And so I got my 11 CDs. I was so happy. I was on top of the world. And then that bill came, you know, that <laughs> like, all right. You got to buy this one. And then like, it was one of those things that you couldn't cancel it until you bought that one. After you bought the one, you could either stay in it and cancel. But I honestly, after a get because i already had a ton of CDs before I bought or got into this, I got like 10 CDs, pretty much all that I wanted to get from them. They didn't have anything else that I wanted. And so I was trying to figure out how to get out of this thing. I didn't have the money. And I remember asking my dad and he said, yeah, sure. Let me take a look through the, the, catalog and and I'll I'll go ahead and get your get an album for myself and get you out of this. And the album that he got, which blew me away because I didn't think he was much of a fan, but the album that he got was Green Day's Super uh,
0: International Super Hits. Oh, wow. You were you were in the the music club late in the game. I didn't realize it was still around by the time Super Hits came out. But wow. Yeah, I think it was 97, 98. I I was in high school. Yeah. So he bailed you
1: out b- using Green Day. He saved the day with Green Day. Exactly. And then I canceled the subscription, got my 11 CDs. And to this day, he actually still has uh, Green Day's International Supers. And I don't know if he knows, but that me- it meant a lot to me because I was so into collecting CDs and just having all music like I am now. I still am. And just for him to be able to help get me out of that that situation, because otherwise I would have had to keep spending money and keep spending money and uh, I don't even know if he still remembers that to this day, but I, I do. It was, it was one of the coolest things that he'd ever done. And, and it was a huge influence because, you know, it was, I'm sorry. It was, just, it was just one of the coolest things that he ever did.
0: See, we, we know that our, our country has a huge problem with people going into college loan debt, but there's the <laughs> silent color that nobody knows, which is, Music club debt from the '90s. <laughs> so many people that are just still just in the red because of that. And so, good on your family. You 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 got bailed out.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my dad was there to bail me out and got a, a good CD in the process. Yeah. So that that leads us right into our flavor of the week. This week we're going to be talking about Green Day and their most recent album that came out at the beginning of this year called Father of
0: All Motherfuckers. <laughs> Are you going to do that every time? Or are you just like, I don't. <laughs> just... Every last time. Every last time. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> like, I don't know. We'll see how I feel. <laughs> I got to say it at least
1: when I
2: introduce the album. Come on. That is its title. You could just read it. How the cover art is. Father of our parental advisory, unicorn barfing rainbow. Uckers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's <laughs> that album cover is fantastic to me. Just starting off with this. They got that word straight across the thing. And yep, barfing unicorn going on right there. And (laughs) he's got a T-shirt and no pants, as cartoon (laughs) characters tragically often do. There are (laughs) versions that are uncensored and don't have the unicorn. But in all honesty, if you have a barfing unicorn available and you don't use it, I don't understand what you're doing with your life. (laughs) Good job, whoever drew that thing.
1: (laughs) It's like on all their posters and stuff, too. So
0: it's part of the marketing for the album. Apparently, <laughs> you know, we're way overdue to give a shout out to Flight of the Concords, who for years now on the actual itch radio show, we've used their song Business Time as the title and theme music for our news segment. Now, the reason I bring them up is to not only shout out the fact that Flight of the Concords is awesome, but that they have a song called Mother Uckas. And yeah. that when I look at this cover, that's what it reminds me of. <laughs> <laughs> is them singing and, and not quite using that term. <laughs> I love the
1: Flight of the Concords that They introduced me to, and to them. Uh, I think it's funny that uh, I believe is
0: Nigel is doing other stuff. A lot of voice acting. They both are. The others are definitely actors as well. Jermaine's been in a bunch of things. I mean, he was that giant. Jermaine. That's him. I'm sorry. Jermaine is the one I was thinking of. Yeah, J- Jermaine and, and Brit both act. Jermaine does more. At least he's done more prominent things. He was in Moana. He was also in Rio, too. Yeah. So um, Dan's very familiar with him, extra familiar with him now, probably on account of his children watching these movies a thousand times. You are exactly correct. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's it is. It's very entertaining, though, when you're like watching a movie and you're just like, hey, wait,
0: I know that voice. It's that's that's Jermaine. <laughs> that's the hip hop of <laughs> I mean, and Jermaine's got a very uh, a very notable voice, and so it kind of works. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to detract. Just thought that at episode seven, we were overdue to give a shout out to Flight of the Conchords, and there was an easy end for it. But back to Green Day. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is their thirteenth album, and wow. <laughs> yeah, they've they've been around for for a while since uh, around 1990. They had a couple albums before Dookie hit it big. In fairness, like like for me anyway, they've always been. I don't know if their career has necessarily been up and down more like the albums as a whole either grab me quickly or they don't. Yes. And, and usually if they don't, I don't bother giving them much more time uh, to go back to, we're talking about influences. Like I said, Dookie was one of the earliest memories of, of a rock album that I have. And with that cover itself is it just absurd and memorable. And, and even after that Nimrod uh, a couple albums later that they released, is to this day probably my favorite. It definitely is the one I go back to the most and I have very fond memories of that from middle school. But um you know, somewhere in there they they faded off for a while and it looked like they were kind of done as a thing and then American Idiot came out and they became rock superstars. And not everything has been great since then, but they clearly are like lifer's in terms of the top active rock bands today. They're the ones that are going to sell out arenas and that kind of thing.
1: And they seem to be getting more popular with age. And it's that's quite a feat to do, especially for a band that was, you know, uh, considered. I'd still say I consider them a punk band because, you know, punk's very fast. It's very uh, high energy. And usually when you're on a stage and punk band, you know, you got to move around a lot. And, you know, usually as you get older, you don't tend to move around very well. So for the fact that they're still making tons of music and still on top of their game, and honestly, their last couple albums have been fantastic, especially, you know, considering, like you said, right before they went on the hiatus, they kind
0: of, I don't know, they were almost just lulling us with, with their music. The American Idiot was their huge comeback. They had They had done Warning in 2000, and it really, it seemed like, in terms of like, pure album sales and general popularity it seemed like they were strongly on the decline and then there was like four years or so where they I don't know if they're entirely quiet but they just weren't that big of a deal and then American Idiot came out and and yeah between the songs you mentioned and the title track itself uh shout out to Weird Al for the third time now because of Canadian Idiot um <laughs> they just they were they were made at that point and maybe that's what's enabled them to try a few kind of experiments that have been hit or miss ever since then. Cause they're just like, well, no, we've, we've reached this level where it doesn't matter what we do. You know we're, we're made financially and we've got uh, an audience that will continue to check us out to your point about them being punk. Um, I, I always thought that was a really interesting discussion because um, even back then when green day and to again, bring the offspring in like those bands were very much considered punk, But once they started hitting it big and having radio singles and stuff like that, like the punk community has a problem with that because it's so like anti-establishment. You sold Um, out. Yeah, you sold out. That's exactly what you get. (laughs) And I would still consider both of them quite punk because there's definitely an energy to it in the music and the sound. But I think there's also like a swagger to it, like a coolness to it, and definitely a sense of rebellion to it. And I think Green Day, even as they get older, still has that. They've got charisma and they've got this sort of rebelliousness, even though they are. I'm not going to say I'm not saying they're corporate, but they are, you know, again, a superstar rock band that everybody knows.
1: And actually what I was referring to is, yeah, I understand what you're saying, that they they got renewed success with American Idiot. But after that, it took five years for 21st Century Breakdown to come down. Mm -hmm. That album was okay, And then after that, another three years later, they came out with Uno Dos Tre, And I'll be quite honest, I... I was pretty much done with that band from, from basically <laughs> from 2009 because they had started losing me in 2009. Uh, I think we played a couple of songs off that album when it came out on our show. But, but yeah, the, after Trey, it took four years for them to release Revolution Radio, and that really kind of pulled me back in because that was just a fantastic album. And I think it was more getting back to their kind of punk roots where they, like you said, they're kind of anti-establishment fighting the man and things like that. And I think that that, that is in my opinion, kind of what punk is about is, is just fast music, high energy and anti-establishment type of themes.
0: I think, um, and and, you know, you guys thoughts may differ. Let me know what you think. But I think what you had was, you know, American idiot being a a very poppy and also political album. And then 21st Century Breakdown, my recollection of that album was that it seemed like they were trying to sort of make another American Idiot, and it just wasn't working anymore. It just felt almost like American Idiot leftover maybe. And and again, that's without... I don't have strong recollections of the album, but that was the impression I remember having at the time. And then Uno Dos Tres, you see them almost going in a different direction. They're like, maybe we were too serious. Like, so let's just have some fun with this. And so... You got this trifecta of albums, which while there are plenty of good songs throughout them, if you listen through them, there's not three albums worth of good songs throughout them. And it's just they're not the kind of band that you really feel needs to be doing something that prolific, like tighten it up a little bit. And then I guess you guys, I guess Dan at least would call Revolution Radio a, a big comeback. You were kind of saying uh, to, to you, it it was like, this is the Green Day that I want to hear.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: What do you think, Casey?
2: For me, Green Day is very Hit or miss in general. Like I like, I don't know what what a percentage to put on it, but it, at least like about a third of what they come out with, I really, really, really enjoy. But then you know the other two thirds, I could kind of do without. With Revolution Radio, I, it's kind of more in your face type of album. But with Father of All Motherfuckers, it sounds more like this weird cross between punk and like fifties sock hop and all the tracks kind of run together, and then for a good example of the sock hop, you have "Stab Your Heart." That sounds a lot like "Hippy Hippie Shake," which just every time I hear the song, I'm like, "Where's Where's Hippie Hippy Shake coming in?" <laughs> 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 so I don't know; it's it's very hit, hit or miss for me. But uh, there's some decent tracks on this album, as I'm sure we'll get into. But it just a lot of it sounds like
0: like a sock hop to me. I feel like this is the condensed version of what they were sort of going for uh, with the Uno Dos Tre thing, especially the Dose album, because each of those albums did lean in a slightly different musical direction. And so Green Day started to incorporate these old 50s, 60s like rock sounds, dancey kind of stuff into their sound. And I feel like this is where, I'm not going to say they perfected it. I think that's too generous. <laughs> but I think this is them having fun and in many cases really nailing that sound that where I think that's what they were sort of going for with Uno Dos Trey was stylistically and in terms of this element of this is Green Day being relaxed because when I hear this album, yeah, I'm not going to say it's an all time classic. I'm not even going to say that uh, I love every song, but I will say that you can tell this is a band that's enjoying the songs that they're making and I think that uh, and, and personally, I just get a kick out of that kind of vintage feel that they add to a lot of it. And so there's a lot of fun to me, which is there's room for that in my musical taste. Definitely.
1: <laughs> I thought this was a fun album. I mean, like you said, yeah, I don't think every song was like the greatest, but it, it was it was a lot of fun, especially my wife is huge into punk music. And she absolutely loved this album because it's there's a lot of songs on there that are just kind of really old school throwback punk type songs like fire ready aim to be honest it's a minute 52 seconds long <laughs> yeah. it's i mean if that's not like a if that's not like the definition of punk
2: right there then i don't know what is the whole album itself is like 26 minutes long
0: so it's like... one of the notes i put was 26 minutes of almost uninterrupted fun it's there's something to be said about getting in and getting out with an album just like let's just go in there with high energy and then finish it off and we're out <laughs> Yeah, she said that a lot of
1: a lot of songs kind of almost threw her back to Ramones almost because they're just real short, kind of fast beats, you know, repetitive verses, which I think is fairly accurate,
0: at least for the punk style songs. There were a couple of yeah. really interesting off the beat songs too. Got yeah. a, a lot of garage rock influences in this one. And just kind of one thing that I liked about it, especially I would say like the first half ish of it is it feels like it just runs the gamut of like old timey rock and roll styles and sounds like each each track almost like picks one of those like you said that uh hippie hippie shake was one of them the the last song on the album graffidia has more of that kind of sound it almost sounds like a like a that like a do i diddy diddy dumb diddy do kind of situation happening there and <laughs> i enjoy that a lot i think that i, I it makes me miss those sounds fire ready aim reminds me of like a hives song which the hives themselves were created to be this kind of throwback sound yeah there's a lot of falsetto and clap along like that yeah yeah thing going on in here which i don't know that they've done much of before that doesn't immediately come to mind anyway so it just gives it a nice different sound than most green day albums do
1: you know, it's funny too, because, like, I, when you say like the clapping stuff, songs like that are so much fun to see live because they get the crowd oh, yeah. into it. And that's what I thought when I saw this album. Is like, all all, it's like, oh no, it's a good album. Don't get me wrong, but it would be so awesome to see this album live just because I think it, it would sound a lot better, to be honest. It just, you'd get that energy. You would see that energy on, on stage. I'm like, yeah, you, you can feel it with the music, but I don't know, just being at a punk concert, seeing punk music. Is just way better than hearing it on on any album.
0: No, honestly, we we have a number of bands that come up a lot, and um, so Green Day, Weezer, the band that comes up a lot in our show so far, and Fallout Boy had had set to do this gigantic tour, is called the Hell Mega Tour, to I guess emphasize the gigantic nature of it, and they ended up having to cancel that as you know everything got canceled. But as much as I, Weezer's been on my bucket list of concerts to see forever. I think you're on to something. This album would be so much fun to see Green Day play. We mentioned it on the Primus episode how there are better and worse times to see a band, depending on what album they just released. And this would be a good time, I think, to see Green Day because they just released this album full of like two minute high energy, very enjoyable tracks. And you know those are going to be all over the concert, especially because they're that short. You can knock out a bunch of them in your set with no problem. I definitely agree with
1: seeing them live right now because not only was this album a lot of fun, but the previous album of revolution radio was a lot of fun. And typically when bands go on tour, they want to play a lot of their most recent music. And of course, obviously a band that's as big as green day is going to play their, their classic hits as well.
0: Yeah. And for a band that has as many classic hits as they do, I think a lot of filler will be cut out and you'll, you reach a point as a band when you've been around so long that, it's probably tough to figure out what to play because you just have so if you're this kind of size, you have so many hits that the temptation is to try to get them all in there. And, um, you know, you may want to play some of your deeper cuts here and there. So I'd be interested to see if and when that tour is rescheduled, what tracks end up on there, especially because, you know, at that point, I guess they'll still be touring behind this album, but it won't be nearly as fresh as it was originally going to be. Yeah. So maybe it'll be a more, you know, greatest hitsy versus being as heavy on this album. I don't know. One of the things I wanted to ask you is something I noticed in this album, and I'm
1: I'm not sure I remember this in previous Green Day albums, but do you remember that like the the falsettos as much in previous albums, like the the background or the at least the follow up falsettos like Dance floor. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Right, right. Like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. It's it's more prominent on this album than than any other album that they've done, I think. And I think that's something that just kind of
1: adds to the fun because you're just like, like my kids got really into it as well. Like
2: dance floor, dance floor. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the song I'm talking about is I was a teenage teenager. Yeah. Which, yeah, is is another one of those songs. Like you said, Aaron's got the.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know I made notes for the for three of the first four songs feature claps and falsetto, and I may even be missing a couple spots. And then the the fourth one of those. uh, Oh, yeah. Has has like a tambourine in it and sort of some group vocals that also really feel like a throwback sound. So even if it's a slightly different way of doing it, they still got that. Which of note, and I have a story about, oh, yeah, that we can come back to in a minute. But that one's probably my personal favorite track on the album. And. I also, the more I listened to it, decided that even though, you know, 10 tracks, 26 minutes is a breeze to listen to, the first six tracks to me are more enjoyable than the last four. And so so we spoke before about how sometimes an album can sort of trail off at the end. And I was a little surprised to feel like that happened on a 26 minute album.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I laugh because I love the album, but I don't know, for
0: whatever reason, like one of my favorite songs, the album is junkies on a high track eight. Yeah, junkies on a high is the one where the album starts to finally slow down. So in terms of momentum and pace, I totally get it. It's not one of my favorites. I also think Sugar Youth, the one before that, is the one that sounds the most like traditional Green Day on the album. And so it it almost threw me off because it was these songs that sounded very fresh and new to Green Day style. And then that one hit. And I think that's where it started to lose me a little bit is that that one sounded more like the Green Day I expected before. Which isn't a bad sound, it's just that it was a little abrupt in the context of the album.
2: I'm going to have to agree with Dan on uh, Junkies on High. That was one of my favorites on the whole album. And one of the reasons why it was one of my favorites is because
1: it was just like completely off-tempo from the rest of the album. The rest of the album is really high. The rest of the album is really fast-paced and high energy, and then you get to Junkies on a high, and it's just kind of this really a song driven by the drum beat and it's just this really cool drum beat and it's, it's Billy kind of harmonizing. And it's just, I don't know. I love when he kind of sings and harmonizes and I don't know. I just found like this is a deeper song than the rest of the songs in the album, in my opinion.
2: Junkies on a high for me kind of was more along the lines of the type of green day song that I enjoy more. So that's, I think that's why I enjoyed it the most.
0: You like the, the slower, Maybe, I don't know if the word introspective is the right yeah. word. Do you like the whenever they go that route? Yeah,
2: like the, the brain stew type <laughs> type songs. Or or that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> just real quick, I don't know if you guys know, but they also throw in a Kool-Aid reference in that song. <laughs> it's hilarious. Do they now? Yeah, he says, Kool-Aid's my motto. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Kudos to them for that one. I did not, I did yeah, not it's, know. It's, it's, I mean, it's just funny stuff like that that really gets me. I don't know why. <laughs> And I guess the other reason, too, I, I like songs that, you know, as, as, well, the song's very relevant today. And I just love songs where they talk about watching the world burn. I'm like, that's some of my
0: favorite songs. That's fair enough. I was going to. This is probably a good time for that. Oh, yeah. Story. Sure. You're talking about watching the world burn, um, <laughs> you know, with everything going on in the world right now and all this this combination of very warranted outrage and demand for change and then also um a lot of people truly taking action to demand that change so it's not just this like anarchy kind of thing it's just like hey we as a society could do better the track oh yeah samples this song called do you want to touch me which um one of the writers of that original song is gary glitter who i don't want to go into any detail about just know that he is not a good person and the band Now, I don't know if this was in response to pushback or if it was just their original plan of saying, you know, we really want to use this sample, but we know who it's by and it's not a good look. What they did was they pledged to donate all the royalties that they earned from that specific track to the International Justice Mission, which is a nonprofit that I'm personally a huge fan of, and the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, which is something you hate to have to talk about, but since it's all real things... Just connecting that to this idea of people are are out there doing good things right now. And I, I appreciate Green Day for recognizing, hey, in the making of our art, you know, we utilize something by a person who we find, you know, frankly, despicable, but we're not endorsing him. And in contrast to that, here's what we're doing to address it by, by making donations to those organizations to kind of try to make the world a better place. And that's awesome. I learned that today, and I was, I was quite excited about that. Mo- personally, mostly just for the, the International Justice Mission reference. That's a, a, an organization that I've known for 10 or 15 years now and just always been a fan of the work they do. So the fact that Green Day also was involved with them, that made me happy.
1: Real quick, and we don't have to go along into this question, but kind of curious your thoughts about it, because it's something that's kind of nagged at me since basically since R. Kelly got taken down. Uh, And at that time, everybody was having this real, very real discussion on whether or not we should still listen to his music. Now, I think that the different, you know, because the same question was also posed about Michael Jackson. I don't think it's fair for Michael Jackson because he's not here to defend himself. And, you know, he spent his entire life basically defending all those claims. And while I say he was a weird guy, he was still the king of pop and music, the music part of him, I, I will always respect you know, I don't have to respect him as a person, um, but I, I will definitely always respect the music that he made. And I, that's how I felt with, uh, you know, because we we had the same issue on our show with the Lost Prophets. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And when all of that went down with the lead singer of the Lost Prophets, I, honestly, as much as I used to love that band, I, I can't stand listening to them now. Like I just because yeah. anytime I hear it, I, I just immediately think of the lead singer and his just unbelievable atrocities he committed. Yeah, and as much as I would still kind of love to play them, because there are some of their songs that I still absolutely love, we I, I, I just we just can't. I can't. Like I still have not gotten myself to that point where I feel comfortable enough to play them and not at least think about the actions or or what led the lead singer to getting himself in jail. Um, it's nice to know that that band is now on making other music with different with different people, but they're not anywhere near as successful as Lost Prophets was.
0: I think that the separation of an artist and their art is a fantastic and complicated uh, subject. Um, And I don't, it's something that I personally definitely don't judge people on based on where they land on it. Part of it, I think to me is the nature of what they, the person has done and also the distance between it. So you can go back in, in history and you can find theologians, philosophers, lots of people who produced things that changed the world in a positive way. A lot of the most famous authors and people who wrote like, you know, phenomenal novels and stuff. If you go into their personal lives and look at it, like a lot of those guys were either just outright monsters or at the very least they were pretty flawed people. And so when I hear of like Bill Cosby, for example, I love some of that guy's comedy. I read that man's book about marriage. And so to hear what he did, I was like, well, that book is trash now. It's done forever. And then The Lost Prophets, that was a tough one. Start Something, to me, is still one of my favorite albums of that era. But I haven't listened to it in ages because, just like Dan said, like the nature of what those crimes were was too much for me to get past. It wasn't a thing where like I could separate them. And I felt so bad for the rest of those band members who by all accounts were innocent of, of his actions, had nothing to do with it or knowledge of it that I'm aware of. They say that, but
1: I mean, you know, you're basically living with each other for for months upon months. There's, you have to know something. I, I find that very hard to believe that you're basically a family and you have no idea what some of your family members are capable of. I mean, don't get me wrong. I will give them the benefit of the doubt, but I just feel like there's... They're, there had to be signs. Like maybe you just don't look into those signs because you just don't think that it is a possibility or anything like that could that, you know, he was capable of anything like that.
0: But I just feel that there had to be signs. It's a tough one. It's a, that, that is a tough one. And you, you totally could be right. I mean, I can, I could see that one going both ways because it's remarkable. The depths that people can go through to hide a uh, certain acts of depravity. And yet at the same time, it's also um, remarkable. The amount of, Uh, maybe willingly turning a blind eye to stuff that people are capable of and just being complicit in things of you know i don't want to detour too far because we're already on a sidetrack but for an example real quick there are players on the houston astros who other players vouch for and say this guy didn't participate in their in our cheating scheme you know we invited him into it and he said no and at, at first when i heard that story i was like man those guys don't need to be punished for the actions of their teammates. But as I thought about it more, I was like, but they did know and they didn't say anything and they defended their teammates. So they were still complicit to that crime. And it's certainly possible that, you know, Lost Profits or any any number of people related to these other artists we're talking about had similar situations. And it just makes it that much more complicated and difficult to to know how to process. I know for me personally, when someone commits certain acts like like Gary Glitter and whatnot, I'm, I'm pretty much done with them. <laughs> Although Glitter has one song that's literally inescapable if you pay any attention to sports. And so royalties are coming in for, for ages and ages on that. But I don't know. I guess, I mean, all that to really sidetrack, but it's it's a worthwhile topic, I think, to to say kudos to bands like Green Day who acknowledge the failures of these artists that they're sampling and yet not agreeing with that person's actions and in fact taking steps to work against that kind of action happening. I
1: well, wanted to tie that into what is going on today. A lot of people are, are upset because, you know, of all the, the police brutality that's going on, and it's not that everybody thinks all police are bad. That's not the case at all. But if you have one bad cop and nobody else says anything,
0: then it gives the impression that all, all police are bad. Right. It begs the question: If you have one bad cop and the others know that he's bad and they say or do nothing about it, do you in fact have an entire you know unit of bad cops? Then you have a system of bad cops. Yeah, especially
2: if they take steps to cover it up and hide
0: it all. But thankfully,
1: there are bands out there like Green Day that uh, you know will continue to protest, and we will continue to protest along with them, uh, so that we can try to at least make some kind of a difference in our world, and and hopefully take a step forward, and hopefully we can honestly say. We have fantastic, all 100% awesome cops.
0: (laughs) I would love for that day, for that system to be repaired. It's going to take quite a while, and it's why we work hard. And I'm sure Dan, as a Father's Day thing, I'm sure Dan's thinking of his kids and the world that they're growing up in and the world that he would like to see them grow up in. I think about my nieces and nephews, and I'm like, this is why this is important to act about uh, social change, because... We need to set people up for better lives.
1: Well, and as a father, I know that the change begins with with us. And so it's why when there was a Black Lives Matter protest on Friday, me and my wife thought it was essential that we go and give them that experience. So we actually went and marched and uh, it was it was awesome. It was quite an experience. I'm glad that I exposed them to that. But, um, you know, just tying it all back in to Green Day and this album is just it's I, I, I love the Green Day and how they they still continue to stay relevant. They still continue to make their protests. They still continue to, you know, be a voice and just be a a symbol of, uh, of of basically like, you know, what punk music is supposed to stand for down with the system. Just
0: damn the man, damn the man. (laughs) Save the empire. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's a, uh, hopefully not too esoteric reference. I really hope that somebody gets that because it's totally going. (laughs) Man, Seriously. If nobody gets that, that's terrible. I know we have to we have had a discussion with some people. <laughs> I think I would call Green Day the world's biggest punk band. That would probably be a good way to describe them. I have to agree with that.
1: I mean, I, I know that there's other bands that some people like to consider punk nowadays, like, you know, uh, Fall Out Boy, you mentioned earlier. Some people might consider them punk. I I, I wouldn't. But and it's again, it's because it's, the Fall Out Boy is not message is not anti-establishment. It's it's just having fun, which is fine. So there are a lot of punk bands that are like that. But I think that the more. Like punk became a thing because it was so anti-establishment. Yeah. You know, another thing. So speaking of punk, m- my wife did say a lot of the, the newest Green Day album kind of reminded her of The Clash. Did you guys kind of get any of that as well? Not necessarily like the ska part of it, but it's just, I don't know, it's just kind of like the harmonic,
2: melodic parts. I'd have to listen to more Clash and then this album, like, back to back to kind of see but i i didn't really that didn't jump out at me
0: i could see where you would see something like that as the clash was known for you know being a punk band at their roots but also experimenting in a lot of different styles and they were quite diverse in their in their genres and uh this is green day doing a little bit of that or at least taking on a couple of very particular influences on top of their their typical sound so casey
1: how would you say you would rate this album in in comparison to the albums that have come out this year, as well as in comparison to other previous Green Day albums.
2: Uh it's it's gonna be pretty low on the list of, of both for me. I don't know, just style wise, it, it wasn't my my thing.
0: <laughs> you you really weren't a fan of that that throwback style. Huh? Not so much. <laughs> Casey just really wanted to hear the the hippie hippie shake the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> This dude was doing sock hops at his house (laughs) all day (laughs) after listening to this album. (laughs) What about you, Aaron? I would say, like I said, it's, it's too short to be a problem to, for me to be like annoyed by it. I would say that I like the first six tracks or so better than the last four by and large. And so there's a part of me that wishes, I know they recorded a lot more tracks for this and they said that they, they had a hard time, um, figuring out a way to like sequence them all together, but where it, where it seemed like it still felt cohesive, which I, I'm glad that they didn't go with all that. Cause I think that's the mistake they made with uno, dos, tre, but I, I it makes me wonder about some of those other songs. If I could kind of shuffle stuff around, would I have 26 minutes that start to finish? I loved every minute of it. So as far as green day album goes, I would ultimately call it middle of the pack for me, maybe towards the top of the pack. The, the the bar, for me, Dookie and Nimrod are almost impossible to beat. And then there's a pretty huge gap. And so there's a lot of room for an album to slide into that ranking somewhere. As far as albums of the year, I would definitely keep it on our list. Like I said, it brings something to the table that is great to me, which is just being fun and feeling like a band that is enjoying itself. And I I like when I can tell that a band is enjoying itself, even if I don't necessarily love every single song that they make.
1: I actually liked this album a lot. I don't think it was as strong as the previous album, Revolution Radio, because I Revolution Radio was more anti-establishment than this, than this album. And that's my favorite type of Green Day is when, you know, like American Idiot, for instance, was was probably one of my favorite albums. Um, But I, I really liked this album. It was it was to me, it was a kind of a throwback to old school punk. Maybe that's why Hannah felt that this album kind of reminded her of The Clash is because of that, like you guys were mentioning, the kind of fifty, sixty, sock hop sound. And I think that's kind of a little bit of what The Clash was influenced a little bit by. In terms of where it's going to land on the list for this year, I think it's going to be pretty high, to be honest, because for one, there's not been that much that's come out. <laughs> and at least at least of the albums that we've talked about, I would probably say, you know, it's it's... Maybe up there in the middle
0: of the pack for me. Yeah, that sounds about right. The Slim pickings definitely help <laughs> some of these artists. And, and hopefully as um, life begins to return to normal a little bit more now, so will music recording and releases. And by the end of the year, we'll still have you know a solid number of great rock releases to choose from.
1: One can hope. Or you can hope that bands just work together like From Ashes to New and they're just churning out new music, by the way. Did I share their song? Not yet, but we will. They will probably even end up on this week's playlist. Yeah, they have a brand new song out. It's pretty good. From Ashes to New is one of those bands that kind of. They all sound like from Ashes to New, um, which in retrospect sounds like Linkin Park. But (laughs) I really do like that they're continuing to make music and just they seem to be having more fun in quarantine than any band I've ever (laughs) like than any band I've seen. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that. They are probably on like conference calls all day long uh, <laughs> trying to work with each other and make songs. And because like all their music videos are basically them in quarantine. And it's it's been it's been really awesome. It's it's kind of made me a bigger fan of that band because of all this stuff that they keep putting out.
0: I want to give a shout out to Goldfinger for the exact same reasons. They've been putting out weekly music videos of uh, quarantine videos of themselves playing their old songs and it's it's fun to see john and um, mike from mxpx and old old moon the st louis native (laughs) my wife is in love with
1: mike from mxpx i mean she could do worse well you know it's funny so if there were ever two people in rock that we would probably uh, leave each other for hers would be mike (laughs) from mxpx and mine would be maria brink
0: from in this moment (laughs) But now that's all public. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows. <laughs> no, it's... My career. Stay away. Do not break up this family. <laughs> <laughs> Bad form. Uh. Oh, man. So I want to do real, real quick. I'll throw these ones out and then we can wrap up. So it sounds like you guys, you guys both agreed that junkies on a high is one of the highlights of this album. Is that can you confirm or deny that? Yes.
1: Yeah, I agree. All right.
0: Then I'm thinking that's probably our uh, Spotify track. For this one, we're still working on the the ongoing Spotify playlist. If you look up the itch rock matters on Spotify, you'll find that. And we're updating it with new tracks every week. I want to throw out a couple that are I'm going to add this week that I'm very excited about. One is Brass Against, um, which is perfect for the time. They're a brass rock band with a black female lead singer that started out by mostly covering bands like Rage Against the Machine, hence Brass Against, um, and now has moved into covering other bands. They got Tool, Pantera, uh, Audio Slave, a number of others, and now even into writing their own music. And so if you're looking for some good solidarity across skin tone lines and across styles, and also some quality protest music, let me throw you over there to some, some Brass Against. Give them a shot. On the complete flip side of that, I don't know if I've introduced you guys to this one or not. I think I tried, and I'm going to have to do it again. This is a band called Steve, and the song is called I Am Steve. (laughs) And if you need something lighthearted and fun to take your mind off of the weight of things that are going on for just a minute before you get right back to the work, that's a great song. And it's going to go on our playlist as well for this week. Sounds good. (laughs) It's very fun.
2: You've been listening to Rock Matters as presented by The Itch. You can check us out on all sorts of media platforms, facebook.com slash itchrocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S. Also on Twitter now, at the same itchrocks. You can also email us at itchrocks at gmail dot com. Also, if you'd be so inclined, we would appreciate five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. The more uh, five-star reviews we get, the more it gets us out to the masses, so we would appreciate that very much.
1: you're going to leave a bad review, like send us a private message on Twitter or Facebook or something, though. You control us. It's, it's fine. <laughs> we do take feedback seriously, so if you have any critiques that you think we can make our show better, then let us know. We're more than willing to listen and create something that our fans want to hear.
0: That's right. Maybe we'll incorporate your feedback into the show, and then you can safely leave the five-star review that we oh so desperately crave
1: (laughs) thank you very much for listening my name is dan i'm casey and i'm aaron and you've been listening to the itch rock matters and until next time rock on oh yeah